I'm with Eugene McGahn, Agricultural and Environmental Engineering Consultant with Integrity Ag and Environment. Eugene will be talking about the development of the National Environmental Guidelines for the meat chicken industry. Eugene, what initiated the project? Well, Felicity, I think right back before this project even started, we went out and consulted with regulators, other consultants in the industry, industry members, and they highlighted that a, a national guideline is one of the key things that's needed to help improve the application and assessment process for new meat chicken farms in Australia. So we certainly went around and did that through all the states in, in Australia through meetings in a fairly broad consultation process to find out which was the best way forward to overcome some of these obstacles. We also looked at a review of how other industries uh, approached the issue and found that industry um, that developed national guidelines have been quite successful in reducing some of their regulatory burden. For example, the cattle feedlot and pig and egg industry. So other intensive livestock industries in Australia had gone down this path and that provided better planning and environmental outcomes from what they did. And certainly they believed it helped improve some of their, their industry perception. So getting that information down in a, a national guideline so all other states have regulations that govern developments of uh, meat chicken farms, except one of the issues around this is the time, cost and difficulty faced in establishing the new farm can place sort of unnecessary burden on applicants. So that was sort of another thing that was a key to getting this thing going. And we were even finding, just talking to people, that some of these direct costs can be up to like $1.5 million for applicants. And that's just a direct cost. It's the other costs are like it actually take years to get some of these things over the line, which is another significant cost as well and quite a bit of stress involved as well with um, some of these applications. Industry also needs to expand to meet consumer demand. As we know, uh, meat chicken is being consumed more and more and essentially that means you need to produce more meat and you need more birds so uh, you need more farms. We thought this could be done with greater certainty at a lower cost and more rapidly with uh, better outcomes for industry and the community if the process was consistent and up to date it could be flexible and therefore really just robust enough to meet different needs and different types of developments. A review is also conducted of legislative requirements in consultation with stakeholders found that the same planning and approval process is addressed in each different state of Australia, but with different requirements they have. And quite often these requirements are becoming outdated, they're inconsistent between states and they're even done at a local level with councils. So they even can be inconsistent between councils that are right next door to each other. I congratulate the industry on this work where they saw the opportunity to take a lead on developing these guidelines that are about addressing the environmental and planning issues, including odour, which is a big one, I'll talk a bit more about a bit later, in a way that helps to streamline this development of new farms in the future. This project also provided a good unique opportunity to address all these issues by drawing on the fair bit of research that's been done, particularly by AgriFutures in the past, but also other work and drawing on work from overseas that's been done to date and bringing some consensus around with all the, the relevant stakeholders, getting them all involved. What was the aim of the project? We wanted to develop a nationally consistent and agreed set of principles for odour and dust impact assessment that address the known cost drivers and issues 
with new poultry farm developments that relate to the around the estimation of odour and how you go about calculating separation distances. So that was the first key objective. And we knew that had to be addressed first before we could even dive into a, a guideline. So after we'd got you know, achieving that objective, we wanted to develop a national planning and development guideline for both new and expanding meat chicken farms. Would you like to tell us how the guidelines were developed? Basically around the same as what those objectives are. We split it into two um, distinct but connected components that were brought together to produce guidance information for improving this planning and approval process for the meat chicken farms in Australia. So first component involved forming consensus around the the key science issue relating to odour and dust generation and modelling impact assessment. Quite often you see in nearly all the cases the issues around trying to get new farms approved, odour is the big stumbling block. So to get some of this consensus, we put together a team of key sort of air quality consultants, um, researchers, the regulatory experts who are involved in this from around Australia and into a specialist technical forum. So we basically got all these people around the table together. The forum was led by a nationally recognised independent chair. That was Robin Ormerod, who's had many decades of experience in um, odour and odour impact assessment and particularly with meat chicken farms. So our primary outcome being an improvement in this consensus around estimating odours, but also around modelling odours, determining odour impact, and also the other important key bit around our dust emissions there, to try and get some consensus around that, because there have been a few arguments around that between various experts in the past. What we did from yeah, that technical forum was developed up a whole bunch of what were co-authored technical chapters covering everything from, as I said, like emission rates, modelling, and even the development of a national separation distance formula for not exciting new farms. So that's just a, a simpler way before you, if you don't need to go to some more complicated modelling step and develop that up. These chapters were then obviously used to develop a best practice guide for use in the planning and um, environmental guidelines. We really knew we had to get consensus on this stuff first before we moved to the, the second component of the project, which was the development of the planning and environmental guidelines, and also by a very consultative approach we used with this. It involved them establishing another group, as we call this our technical reference group, which had key researchers, industry members, regulators, and a broader stakeholder group as well, people who are fairly experienced in, in planning from the private sector or from government. So what we did from that is we actually developed up a first draft of the guidelines and sent that to that technical reference group to um, review and have a look at. And we got those people together in a, in a workshop format to brush out any of the issues that still quite contentious and that we um, needed to deal with before we developed up a, basically a second draft of that, the guidelines. So it was that technical reference group too that actually suggested that we probably needed to move to two guidelines, so a sort of a compendium guide as well. So not just an assessment guide, they suggested we also put a guide together for applicants to help them through the uh, assessment process and what things you need to do when preparing um, an application. Different states have different planning requirements. How does this national guide address these differences? It can be a bit challenging, yeah, as we've seen with many things in our recent times, that state borders do create uh, lots of hassles. So although the process is different, they really still use similar terminology and timelines associated with each part of the 
assessment process. There's some differences there, but there's sort of some general assessment stages that if you break it down, they're all sort of quite similar. So the applicant's guide in that, we've provided a sort of broad overview of the general assessment process in each state, as well as providing links to the, you know, relevant planning and approval processes for those states and where to find that information and where to get the most up-to-date thing that you need to do there as well. It also doesn't matter in which state a proposed meat chicken farm development is to be located. So a meat chicken farm is pretty much a meat chicken farm. The same impacts needs to be addressed in an application. You know, this is around the community amenity impacts, whether they might be water impacts as well. So the amount of detail required may vary between each state and it can vary between sites as well. But essentially you've got to address all those same impacts anyway. So the applicant's guide really was set up as a saying to step the proponents through the development process with information that's required in their application and also provide sort of helpful hints on the way and with the aim of helping reducing sort of these costly delays and, and objections and stuff which can add up to a fair bit of time when you're trying to get a new farm developed. What are the biggest environmental risks with meat chicken farm development and how do these guidelines address this? The most contentious one is around odour impact. Yeah, odour impact assessment, we basically had to extensively review that along with that specialist odour group. So we knew that from the start. That's why we put that group together. This culminated in some detailed guidance for the assessment guide on odour impact assessment, including that formula I um, talked about for citing new farms. So that wasn't the only part of it, but obviously that was a key part of it. But it also included an extensive list of other potential planning and environmental issues. So there are things like dust, noise, light, visual impact, vegetation, surface water and groundwater and flooding, traffic and machinery management, chemicals and how you deal with those, cultural heritage issues, planning constraint issues, uh, soils, flora and fauna, how you manage your byproducts, whether that's spent litter or your mortalities, the management of pests, how you go about managing emergencies, even infrastructure and service requirements are including in there, some information on farm biosecurity from a planning perspective and environmental management plans. So all the requirements that generally require in when you're putting an application together, we've tried to cover all the things that might be asked by a ministering authority or a regulator. Who will use these guidelines and how are they likely to be applied? Foremost, I see industry using these guidelines to assess them through the process of planning new farms or even the expansion of existing farms they have. They'll certainly should assist state government regulators and planners to provide better planning and environmental outcomes for the industry and the community when these new farms are proposed because we've got all that up-to-date information all in one place for them. I also believe the guidelines will become a central reference in determining an effective environmental management strategy for meat, chicken farms. And probably what we've seen with some of the other intensive livestock um, national guidelines and codes, I'd see they get to the point of essentially replacing those state guidelines and codes, providing they're kept up to date with the latest information. Also, that up-to-date information in the applicant's guide, that's going to allow growers to plan prospective sites, so make them think about all the things that they need in there to minimise any potential impacts. Probably the last thing is that the detailed planning and assessment approach, that will help ultimately reduce land use conflict issues with new and expanding farms. It's a key outcome we want from the project. 
what information can people wanting to build a new chicken meat farm expect to find in the applicant guide? Primarily goes through the sort of steps and processes that you require consideration when you're embarking on the getting approval for a, a new farm or expanding your existing farm. So it starts up with a broader overview of the planning and approval process, including both planning and environmental requirements that need to be addressed in an application. Covers the important matters to consider before starting the application process. So it makes you think about, well, have I thought about A, B, C, and D? It's got some detailed information requirements that you need to include in the application. So what basically regulators will be looking for there. It steps you through the approval process. As I said, it could change by each state, but it's generally pretty much the same with each state jurisdiction, like the process that needs to go through submitting the application, have it assessed, ask for more information, and then um, having the thing advertised. A section is specifically there for applicants on issues when considering planning and designing their farm. So things that are not necessarily needed by a regulator or the assessment, but making the applicant think about things like power and water and their shed design and stuff. It's got quite a few important links to the state planning and, and also mapping. So you can find some mapping information there that's sort of online in most states nowadays. And you sort of takes you through that sort of guidance for preparing the application. It's got stuff on preparing an environmental assessment report. If you had to do a nutrient management plan, which would really only be the case, say, if you were a free-range farm or you're, you know, reusing your spent litter on farm, but you would be asked for that from a, a lot of jurisdictions, so the things you would need to include in there. Some stuff on composting, sort of the design and practices for spent litter and mortalities in there. And another one around designing vegetative filter strips to capture nutrients and stuff. So we see that as quite important, that one, because of these issues around some jurisdictions wanting dams and stuff, which are a bit of a biosecurity risk. So in most cases, we see a vegetative filter strip, which doesn't require having water close to sheds as a, a certainly a good alternative to achieve the environmental outcomes you're after there. So some design principles around that. How is the assessment guide structured and what information does it have for applicants and assessors? Early parts of the assessment guides basically got that introductory information on the industry and relevant strategic planning concerns that might affect the development of a, the meat chicken industry as a, you know, as a whole, like regionally. So we thought that is quite important always to having these guides. So obviously you might have planners who don't know a lot about the industry, so it provides them with the information. But the second key bit it does is... You know, and as I said before, industry is expanding and they're actually looking for new regional areas that they might be able to take their industry to. So they don't go to a region, only go to put one shed or one farm up. It'll be to put many farms up. So certainly helps with local governments when they're developing up their planning schemes and stuff. So we've, we put a little bit of a focus on that, which is a little bit different to a lot of other guidelines to help local government out there a bit as well. The remainder of the guide, it's structured to allow sort of that efficient assessment of proposed farm locations and design. So a sort of step process of all the things you need to assess there. For the developers of meat chicken farms, they can use the guide, develop up their preliminary farm plans, all the stuff you need in that, even yeah, before you even apply for the approval. Those plans are pretty important because what we encourage people to do is to get some community and um, regulatory engagement going fairly early on in the process because it can certainly help reduce some of the time delays that you see later on that can happen if you haven't got that community engagement happening early. 
one section of it, it specifically deals with the, um, the matters relating to site location, uh, the location of farm infrastructure, the design of farm infrastructure, such as your sheds, your, your internal roads, your stockpiling, if you're going to stockpile any spent litter on farm, your range areas. There's another section relates to uh, the environmental management of farms as well. It's got management criteria. They're located separately in each section and that part of the guide. So that's to help the uh, with the assessment of environmental management plans for any proposed new farms. So whether they're getting assessed or you're actually putting them together. So there's some information there on that. What are some of the key outcomes of this work? Well, for starters, we certainly expecting it to reduce assessment timeframes for regulatory approvals by providing this science-based best practice information upon which regulators can base their decisions. So that's certainly a real key and focus we had from the start as an outcome. And we think it should reduce the need for additional consultants and technical reports and the delays associated with additional information requests because we've got all this information here now in one place. And by providing a nationally recognised environmental guideline, so it is nationally recognised because we've gone through that whole consultation process, we should get more certainty for both applicants and assessors regarding the, the validity of any decisions made with regards to the, the impacts of farms. And should get clarity around the impacts of the industry and measures to mitigate any impacts that allow the industry to move forward with some confidence which it hasn't had in, in some areas of Australia. It should provide significant social benefit as well, I think, in the face of mounting community opposition and political decision-making, which commonly affects the application and assessment process. So we'd got that message out even before we started the guidelines in our consultation process that part of it, guidelines should be able to help overcome some of those difficult issues. Also, the adoption of the guidelines should lead to improved environmental benefits by providing the industry and other stakeholders with a, an understanding of what the actual environmental risks of meat chicken farms are and their associated control measures that are put in place to, to manage and mitigate those impacts. They should increase the industry knowledge surrounding effective identification and management of environmental risks that allows industry to adopt responsive and time-efficient and cost-effective approaches to, to managing their environmental risks. How will people be able to get copies of the guidelines? They'll be uh, freely available for download on the, the AgriFutures website, so under the, uh, the Chicken Meat program there. Eugene, thank you very much for your time and taking us through the guidelines. It's been a pleasure. Great. Thanks, Felicity. Thanks for the opportunity to be able to um, talk about them, discuss them with you today.